Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. morning. Great to have you on this uh, last last Sunday of January. My name is Michael Beneshek. Uh, one of your warm heart folk, and it's a, just a blessing and a privilege to have you here with us today. If you're joining us online, hello, welcome. We are blessed to have you with us, and we, we pray that you find a blessing in today's service wherever you may be watching us from. Uh, I got people on the East Coast watching today, West Coast, uh, up North. I'm not sure how far South today, but wherever you are, blessings, blessings, blessings. Uh, I don't have a lot of announcements for me this morning. We got quite a few announcements to share this uh, from, from other folk. So I just want to highlight, it's not in the bulletin, but we do have a new membership class today at 1230 in the Family Life Center just across the way. We'll provide the pizza. If you've been coming here for a while and would like to consider us your church home, uh, stop on by 1230. We'll learn about your story. You'll learn about our church story, and we will, we will get you hooked up into the life of this church as with everything we do here on, uh, at Church of the Warm Heart, there's food. Like I said, we'll have, we'll have the pizza. Judy is our worship leader, and someone told me today. Did I see your birthday up on the thing? Is it today? <laughs> today. Can you all say happy birthday, Judy? <laughs> Thank you. I have a few announcements. Um, please pay attention to the back of your bulletin. Uh, there's a couple of yummy food announcements. We have a pancake breakfast on February 10th, and we have the groundhog food on February 2nd. And um, talking about all this food, and he's going to preach on fasting? <laughs> uh, we also have... Um, uh, update from Don Brister about our finances. About once a year, Don comes up and tells us about the upcoming yearly budget. And he told me it's under five minutes, four minutes, and what? 45 seconds. All right. I'll have a seat. Every January, I stand here and give a report on the year end financials and present the budget for the coming year. For the first time since I've been the stewardship chair, we failed to receive enough gifts to meet our expenses for the year. Even though we didn't meet our goal, we should take pride in the fact that we gave almost $114,000 in December and managed to cut our deficit from $75,000 a couple of months earlier to $21,000. I stated early in November that we would need to average around $21,000 each week in November and December to make ends meet. Well, we're 21,000 charts. I guess we just needed one more week. Maybe we would have made it. History is a good barometer to evaluate our finances. So I went back and I checked the footprints article that I wrote a year ago to reflect on how we did. At that time, I said that the 2023 budget was realistic, and it came close to being so as we almost broke even. 98% of the budget, we almost made the 100. I mentioned tweaks that we had made to the budget process that would make it easier to prepare the budgets in the future, and this year it was much easier. I expressed the hope that we would see increased attendance And I'm happy to report that attendance was up 8% from the previous year. We were confident that if attendance increased, that giving would also be up. That was not quite the case as giving was down and expenses were up. So due to the deficit, we have no surplus to begin the year. This has not happened in my years, so we must be vigilant in our spending 
and we must adhere to the budget that we passed for 2024. We have grown our children and youth ministries. We had a youth mission trip that was a tremendous success. So that's a positive before we explore the 2024 budget. The figures that Jacob's going to put on the screen and in the brochure that you received as you came in, uh, I want you to take a look at those. I won't bore you with a lot of figures because you'll forget them before you get home. But you can look at the brochure when you get home and study it a little bit. There will also be a larger article in the February footprints that talks about the budget. So let's talk about the budget. The budget consists of four major categories. By far the largest is personnel, which is, includes staff, wages, and benefits. 70% of our budget is due to our staff. Number two is our property and maintenance, utilities, property insurance, janitorial maintenance and repairs, lawn upkeep, and so forth. And that's 13% of our budget. And I don't know why, but this morning as I walked in, I was told that it looks like we're going to have to replace part of the roof that we weren't expecting. So that's uh, another little downturn. Shared ministries, which is our tie to the Oregon-Idaho Conference, which includes confidence, conference-wide leadership and education and so forth. That is set by the conference. We have no choice over that, and that's at 10% of our budget. Local ministries and programs, which includes worship arts, uh, music, children's activities, youth and adult ministries, online uh, services that we going out over the uh, website and the airways, our congregational care, Marketing and administrative costs is 7%. So, let's take a look at the budget. The budget has been decreased by more than $64,000 from the last year's budget. However, this is still a $28,000 increase over the 2023 actuals. That's due to some small increases in shared ministries. Costs go up. Utilities and insurance went up. The property and trustees' expenses in 2023 did exceed our budget due to some unanticipated major repairs. And the church is just like our individual households. Some costs are up and will continue to increase as the year moves forward due to inflation. There are also some increases in the marketing area, marketing area as we strive to enhance our presence in the community and to improve our online outreach. We're still in an area of uncertainty as to the changes in the downtown Meridian footprint. We don't know exactly how things are going to look and how it's going to affect us. But we do know it will affect our parking. And in that situation, this is also an election year. And that's always contentious, so we don't know what's going on there. On a positive note, I do need to point out that we were blessed to make major improvements in both the sanctuary and the FLC We've put in new video and sound systems, carpeting, new exterior doors, repainting, and so forth. And that's enhanced our worship experience. The cost of these projects were provided by several generous donors who made supplementary directed donations, and that those funds did not come from our general fund. So we thank, thank you for doing that. Furthermore, I want to talk about another area, and it's on your, the bulletin that you, the brochure that you were handed out. I counted 19 areas of areas that we support in this church that's not part of our general budget, such as the Meridian Food Bank, the Good Sam Fund, memorials, new to you, youth mission trips, scholarships, camperships, quilters, Card makers, Joseph's Closet, Scouts, Veterans Foot Locker, Mirror Image, Umcor, Refugees, Adopt a Family, Thanksgiving Boxes, and the Crop Walk. A total of more than $42,500 were given to those programs. Not part of our budget, but it's necessary and it's something this church always does. So, I would ask you that you continue to pray about our finances. You see the figures there. What is it, $782,000 we have to raise this year if we stick to our budget? We're going to have to, at some time, make sure that we 
you know, we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we're going to have to determine what kind of church we want. And if we want to have the church that we're used to, we have to pay for it. So think about that. I want to say that our staff does a tremendous job in not spending more than they need. There's no fluff in this budget. That's pretty bare bones. I want you to remember that as you pray about our staff. Now, I need to make an announcement from my wife. (laughs) She sent out, I don't know, I don't know how many email statements for your giving for the year so that you can use it for tax purposes. And she's made a lot of hard copies. So if you did not receive your email or if you need a hard copy or if you need a copy of it so you can do your taxes, just let the church know and we will see that you get you get a copy of what you need for your taxes. So that's the way we stand, folks. It's, it's not pretty, but it's realistic and it's transparent. And I want you to know where we stand. And I want you to pray about it so that we can, uh, we can continue to serve this community. We can continue to serve the Lord. And we can always be the church of the warm heart. Thank you for listening to me. And continue to pray. Thank you very much. Thank you, Don. I've been a pastor of this year, my sixth church uh, in 26 years of ministry. I've never had a church this transparent or, or open with its finances. It's not that the other ones were hiding it, but we put it up on a bushel for everyone to see. Uh, so thank you, Don, for, for that update. Let's take a moment, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening hymn.
uh, our call to worship is from the hymnal, page 889, and it's also on your screen if you'll just follow along with me. There is one God, and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all to whom we testify. This say is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, complained among the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up into glory. Great indeed is the mysteries of the gospel. Amen. Please be seated. Unless you're a kiddo, like fifth grade on down, come on up. This is your time in worship. I had breakfast this morning. I had second breakfast this morning. Now I'm going to have 11 Z's here pretty soon. And then lunch and then afternoon snack and then tea and then maybe a snack in the car because my my kids laugh at me because there's always a bag of chips right back here when I'm driving. Then I have evening supper and then I have evening snack and then a bedtime snack. Do you think I have a problem? Yeah. Would this be an appropriate time right now for me to snack on some stuff? Probably not, huh? But it's Winco popcorn. It's so good. Winco, I, I put you in a, in a, on YouTube. Send me some more popcorn. Yeah. When's another time I probably shouldn't eat? It's a... Maybe midnight. Probably not at midnight. I don't know. Anyone else wake up at midnight and go to the fridge? My brother, if he was watching, he'd say yes. He, that's what he does. Midnight snack. I remember when I was about I was about your age, and I snuck a peanut butter sandwich to bed, and I fell asleep and I forgot about it. And I woke up and there was peanut butter. All, and my mom had to cut 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 the hair because of the peanut butter because of the food. You could tell I like food, can't you? Mm-hmm. Have that body shake. Should you eat, should you eat at school during during the lesson time? Probably not. <gasps> Should I be eating in the shower? No. No. no, no, no. You know, there's a time to eat and there's a time not to eat. So when's a good time to eat? Breakfast time? Snack time? Afternoon snack? Probably after church. After church? That's a good time. Yeah. Coffee hour. Do you, do you drink coffee? No. Is it a full hour? No. It's 45. It's, it's, but we have plenty of donuts today. If you, uh, thank you to those who brought donuts. A couple people brought donuts, so that's good. Yeah, there's times that we eat. There's times that we don't eat. If we do it on purpose, the times that we don't eat is called fasting. I don't know why it sounds like it's a, it's a verb, like it's fast. Because it seems like when I'm fasting, it goes so slow. But we fast sometimes when that just means we don't eat. And in the morning, in the morning when you wake up, you break the fast. And that's where we get the word breakfast. We break the fast. We get to eat once again. Today's lesson, I'm not going to teach you guys how to fast because you need all the food that you can to grow up into, into the people that you are, that you're going to be. Uh, but I just want you to be intentional about the kind of food that you put in your mouth. Uh, I like water? No, rotten. Water is good, but rotten. Yeah, fruits? Are fruits good? Yeah. Are vegetables good? Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Don't eat a lot. Don't eat a lot. Yeah, I can't do broccoli. Yeah. Anyone else do broccoli? Broccoli people out there? Well, I like broccoli. Who buys the broccoli? Yeah. I like broccoli. You like broccoli? That's awesome. The other day at school, they tried to, um, we have snack, and they try to give us 
Ooh, there you go. Brussels sprouts at school? That's like asparagus. Ah, can't do it. Can't do it. But there are good foods. You got to have lunch at school. That's a good place to have it since you're there at noon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, food is a gift from God. And just like any gift, we use it responsibly. And we thank God for the gifts. Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the, for the food on our table, for the hands that prepared it, for the farmers that grow it, for the truck drivers that get it to where it's going. And to our table, to those who enjoy it, may we use the food that you give us to be healthy, to be strong, and to be wise. And the children of God said, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming down. church. Let us take a moment for centering, to center our minds and our our hearts and our spirits to receive the message today. This is the time of our service where we share with one another our prayer requests and our concerns. So if you would feel up to it, please feel free to share them aloud. And then I will lead us in our pastoral prayer and the Lord's prayer which the words will be on the screen. For our 
Let us pray. Gracious God, Creator God, we come to you today with open hands and open hearts in gratitude for the abundance and beauty of your creation. We pray for our church, our homes, and our community, and in all things we give thanks. Fill us with life, with love, and with wonder for the beauty of your hand. May we be present and abide in you. And may all we do be rooted in your love, so that we will not conform to the patterns of our world, but but be transformed by your Spirit. Lord, help us to fast. Fast from negativity and fear and anger. Help us to fast. Fast from pressures of our lives and all the forces that divide. And teach us, Lord, to live into your unforced rhythms of grace so that we may rest in you. May we learn to lean in, listen, and respond to your call to be people of joy, of peace, patience, and kindness. For Lord God, we are your people. And today we gather together to worship and praise you and to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jen. Let's take a moment and sing, uh, sing a song about where all these blessings do come from. Come thou fount of every blessing. Let's stand and sing as able.
Our scripture lesson this morning comes from two parts of the Bible. Uh, The first one from uh, the Old Testament with Leviticus. And um, Leviticus uh, chapter 23, verses 26 through 28. The seventh day of the seventh month of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourself. Present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. The second comes from the New Testament. The book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, lift the Jordan and lift by the spirit of the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing for those days, and at the end he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you All authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their, their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Judy. So I got an annual physical coming up. Yippee skippy. And as a part of the annual physical, there might be some blood tests and that kind of thing and pokings and proddings and places I don't want them to do that and more yippy-skippy. But one of the rules that the doctor said is for 12 hours before, fast. Don't eat anything. Just, Just water, right? Does this doctor even know me? How in the world can I possibly go without eating or snacking or caffeine for, or for, for that long? Uh, yes, I scheduled the appointment at 9 o'clock in the morning. So the night before at 9 o'clock, I am cut off. Oh, the humanity. The suffering, the trials, the tribulations. I'll be fine, but isn't it funny? And maybe you've had this too. The moment you can't have something. You want it, right? You want it. When you were told that you could not have a toy as a kid, (laughs) that tantrum was inevitable, wasn't it? You wanted it even more than before. When you were a teenager, some of you were teenagers a couple years back, uh, when parents said you can't stay out late at night, curfew was at, what time was your your curfew? 10? I need your parents. Man, midnight. (laughs) The moment you can't go out, it's like, I want to go out. They're all having fun. They have cell phones. I don't have a cell phone. Well, just borrow one of their cell phones. That's not fair. It's not fair. 
in your 20s. It's likely that, that if you're drawn to someone and you discover that they are in another relationship, you find yourself falling even harder. What's this fixation on the forbidden fruit? What is it about us that wants the stuff that we can't have? There are pros to this phenomenon. Someone outright telling you that you can't do something. Uh, You're incapable of getting that promotion. Makes you give that drive to want it even more. I once knew knew a girl whose math skills were, they were less than stellar. I would say she was dumb as rocks, but rocks would be offended. She, math was not her thing. Okay. But something, but she wanted to be an accountant. Oh, she wanted to be an accountant. I don't know why you would just, that's your love. Uh, that's what she wanted to do. And her parents said, this is not in your wheelhouse. And after, after years of schooling, at 25, she became an accountant. I'm like, good, good on you, right? She figured it out. But there is a downside also to this instinct. Sometimes we go too far for what we're told we can't have. And sometimes we overstep those moral boundaries or we hurt other people in the process. There was a study by a magazine called the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. There really is a magazine called that. And uh, women were presented with a photograph of a handsome dude. It wasn't this dude. This is just a dude I found online. Uh, I'm guessing that's The Bachelor if I had to guess the TV show. But they, they gave a whole bunch of women a picture of a guy. And they told half the ladies, he's single. And they told the other half, he's taken. He's married. And somewhere in the questionnaire was, would you like to, if, would you like to pursue this person? And the people who were single... Uh, the people who were told that uh, Mr. Wright here was single, uh, 59% said, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind pursuing that. And for the ladies who thought he was taken, 90%. <laughs> well, if other people want him, he must be okay. <laughs> Gentlemen, isn't that true? You're looking for a date. You're looking for a date. You can't get a date. The moment you get a date, three other people are interested. Right? Apparently, our urge to go after the unattainable is in our DNA. And so today's sermon is about fasting. We're doing a sermon series on Christian uh, disciplines. What are, the, uh, what are the things that Christians have done over the last 2,000 years to become closer to God? And fasting is one of them. We deny ourselves on purpose food that keeps us going. Why would we do such a thing? Who even came up with the idea? Who in their right mind would begin such a tradition? We live in the land of where the golden arches is our temple. And sometimes we fight to the death over which pizza place is best in town. If I had to ask someone back there in that quadrant, give me the, your favorite pizza place. Idaho. How about over here? Johnny Crocs. Oh, I'll get to you in a second. Got one? Got one? Got one? Marcos? Smoky Mountain? You're all wrong. It's Louis. I don't know. Yeah. No, but we all have our favorite places, don't we? Yeah, some, this is too much sauce. This has too much cheese. This is too expensive. This is, but we all have our favorite places. Right? We hear of other religions that fast. What seems like all the time. The Jews fast on certain holy days. Our scripture out of, out of Leviticus is the day of atonement uh, for, for the Jewish folk. Fast. Matter of fact, give your food to the temple. Uh, the Muslims have Ramadan coming up where there's fasting from sunrise to sunset for a whole month. Uh, the Muslim calendar, it's lunar-based So each lunar cycle is a month. And so it shifts throughout the year as the moon shifts throughout the year. Sometimes Ramadan is in summer. Sometimes it's in winter. Uh, It's so much easier to fast when it's in in the wintertime because it's sunrise to sunset, right? You only got nine hours to fast instead of 15. 
Uh, This year it's going to be in March, so it's somewhere in the middle. Jesus spoke about fasting as if it was already a common custom uh, for for the early church. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about it as an ongoing practice. When you fast, he said, when you fast, don't... Don't change your face. Don't contort your face. Don't whine about night eating. Don't tell everybody else, hey, I'm fasting. Just like when he said, when you pray or when you give. He is giving instruction on the proper exercise of a common practice of the day. He did not say, if you fast. He didn't say, you must fast. He just just said, when you fast. Something that we do. The great preacher John Wesley made an observation about fasting that reminds us of how, how customary fasting was in a former area. This is, this is what he wrote. While we were at Oxford, the rule of every Methodist was, unless in the case of sickness, to fast every Wednesday and Friday in the year in imitation of the primitive church for which they had the highest reverence. When the Methodist church started, fasting was a big deal. Praying was a big deal. Giving was a big deal. And then it kind of waned. Even in in John's lifetime, the Methodists kind of got away from this a little bit. This This is what he said later on. And I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, so called, Methodist in name only, both in England and Ireland, who following the same bad example, haven't entirely left off fasting who are so far from fasting twice a week, as all the stricter Pharisees did, that they did not fast twice in a month. Yea, there are not, are there not some of you who do not fast one day from the beginning of the year to the end? Ouch. And if if you're a Methodist uh, hearing this, and I'm guessing most of you are, direct any complaint emails to John. I'll get you his address. And even though it's uncomfortable for me to say, somehow we've dropped the ball on this ancient practice. John Wesley would not even consider a person to become a pastor if they did not fast. I'd be up a creek unless I had a physical or blood work every week. Wesley wanted to practice fasting as it was represented in the Bible and in the majority of the Christian centuries. And he recognized that fasts of different kinds occurred in Scripture, but he saw the normal fast as just refrain from eating for a day, sunrise to sunset. So why? Well, the whole purpose towards fasting is just a reminder of how much that we depend upon God. How much we depend upon the gifts and the bounty and the blessings and the fountain of, of, of all good things. God provides. He is our strength. And when you pause for a day, what do you think about all day? You think about food, but you think about where it comes from and why you're doing, and you think about God above. Who else fasted? Check out your Bible. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, to Daniel, to, to, to Anna, to Paul, to Jesus Christ. Of, of all people, 40 days in the desert, does that ring a bell? In our church's history, the great leaders of the, of, of the past, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox. How many Johns are there? John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, Charles Spurgeon. Leaders from different faiths, different backgrounds, different centuries. This was a practice. So how do you fast, I hear you ask? Well, it's easy. <laughs> but it's up to you and your doctor. It's amazing, though, that as life-giving as food, we do not consider the intentionality of what we stuff in our face. If you want to try a new way to connect with your environment, with your body, with your God, try a fast someday. Like we said in our meditation sermon two weeks ago, we empty ourselves of the bad and we try to fill it with the good. When we don't fill ourselves with food, we fill ourselves with spirituality, with intentionality. 
Every now and then, Steph and I, we try, we try fasting. Uh, maybe it's for a day, or maybe uh, we, there was a Lent uh, not too long ago uh, where we went f- all through Lent on all we ate. What did we eat? You're back there. Do you remember what we Yeah. Let's do Dallas. Let's do Daniel fast. Anything that grows in the ground. No meat. Uh, protein we got from beans. No tea, no coffee, no soda pop, just water. It was a long Lent. <laughs> and then we went to Outback on Easter. <laughs> and we fixed it. But each day, each day is a reminder. And it's intentionality. And because you know what? You know what I do during the rest of the year? I snack. I just, hey, what's for supper? And we just, uh, just mindfully eat. Be intentional. Do eating on purpose. Do it with a regular rhythm. In closing, just a word on the opposite of fasting. If fasting is not to eat for a period of time, then what is it when we stuff our face continually? It's it's one of the seven deadly sins, and that is... Yeah. Latin word for to devour. Total consumption. Wouldn't the opposite of a deadly sin be okay every once in a while? The devil tempted Jesus with food. The devil tempted Adam and Eve with what? An apple. Fruit. Food is a nice little tool of the evil one. The point is this. When you fast, you remember the purpose why. To remember our reliance upon God. You are in charge of what goes inside your mouth. This is a horrible line to end a sermon on. You are in charge of your pie hole. (laughs) Pie goes in here. Be intentional with what you eat. When you eat. How you eat. And remember to fast every now and then. And don't forget to join us for coffee and cookies right after the service. (laughs) And the family of God said. As we come to the offertory, a word of thanks to those who participate in the, in the finances of this church. You make these ministries happen. You make love happen. You make the food bank happen. You make... Uh, Don gave us a long list of things that we support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think another piano... We got three piano duets today. Uh, let's, let's receive the offertory and listen to the music.
Thank you, Emma Jean. Thank you, Trina. Let us stand for our doxology and offertory prayer. So that we find healing in our lives, our families, and our world. May these gifts bring healing to your creation. In Christ we pray. Amen. Our last song today is a, is a one that I don't think we've sung here before, but it's in our supplemental hymnal. It's called Days of Elijah. May this week ahead be one filled with joy, one filled with peace, one filled with harmony, and one filled with love. Go in peace.